I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And we'll just pause there. Lessons from the shepherd. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Christmas story. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and help us to understand the the beauty and the majesty, the preciousness of the Christmas story of God coming in human form to redeem us from our sins. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, lessons from the shepherd. As we read the story of Jesus' birth, we notice here that the first people it was presented to were the shepherds, the shepherds of all people. But in these shepherds, we see an example of their humility and their faith as they responded to the word that the angels proclaimed. And as we look at it this morning, we can see a pattern in their lives or an example that is worthy of our imitation of us to follow. It's interesting and revealing that the first announcement of the Messiah's birth was actually given by the angels to shepherds of all people. Just some anonymous shepherds, not the priests, not the governors, not the scribes, not the emperors, but shepherds. We said last week, um, in their day, the shepherds were really looked down upon. I mean, especially by the upper crust and the religious crowd. They were not allowed to testify in court. They weren't considered trustworthy. They could seldom go to the temple because of their job made them um, disqualified, unfit for temple worship. And they just weren't the group that you would look to and expect that God would speak to and that God would use as his first ambassadors. The shepherds disqualified in the eyes of men, but chosen by the grace of God. And that's just like us, isn't it? Those shepherds were chosen to know the Savior. And they were chosen to be part of what the Almighty was doing in the earth. And they were chosen to partake and receive in the peace and the joy and the salvation that Jesus came to bring and that only Jesus can give. And so were we. Can you say amen? And these shepherds, number one, let's just notice simply this morning that they received the message. Very important. They received the message. Make sure you receive the message. Now, this is one message that you don't want to ignore. You don't want to, what do they say, put it in a spam file or a scam file or something like that. But this is one message that you want to make sure you don't just glance over. Because the message that we're talking about this morning, it's the message that, well, it will determine your eternal destiny. Depending on how you receive and respond to the message of Jesus Christ. Now, for those shepherds. You know, it was just another night shift for them. They're watching the flocks outside Bethlehem and suddenly the sky lit up with heaven's glory. And an angel delivered the news of the Savior's birth. And then an angelic choir broke forth in glorious song. Now that's a night shift. That night they received the message that the Savior had come. Not one that would save them from their external threats or foreign oppressors. Not one that would save them. And heal them from the inner civil strifes or turmoils within the nation. But the one that would save men from their sins. 
Man's greatest need then and man's greatest need tonight, this morning, is to be saved from our sins. So many are looking for, if I can just, you know, if I, if, I, if I just had a better this, everything would be alright. No, not really. If just I had a better self-esteem, no, not really. If I just, no, 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 those things might have their place. But the most important need for you, for me, is to know that my sins are forgiven and know that I'm right before a holy and living God. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. And that's why He came. To restore us and redeem us and bring us back to God. You remember how the angel, we read last week, how the angel said to Joseph, Matthew 1 and 21, Matthew 1 and 21, how the angel said, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. His name expressed his mission. His name declared the heaven's message that Jesus literally means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Because again, I didn't need just a better job. I didn't need just a a better social thing. I didn't, no, no, no. I need, I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. I was astray and I needed to be returned. I was fallen and I needed to be lifted up and brought back to my place of being a son of God and walking rightly with the living God. That's why Jesus came. We notice three things about this message. The angel spoke that night to the shepherds. Number one, it was a message of a helpless Savior. A helpless Savior. Now, he said a baby. Verse 12 says you're going to find a baby. A baby. Doesn't sound like a Savior. You know, most were looking for a warrior to deliver them from Rome. Most were looking for a Messiah that would conquer and overthrow all of Israel's enemies and restore that kingdom to David. Men weren't expecting a helpless baby. Is anything more helpless and needy than a baby? You've got to wrap them in the swaddling clothes to protect their delicate limbs. You've got to keep them warm against the outside forces of cold and etc. Nothing more helpless than a baby. More dependent on others. In the same way, you and I are helpless when it comes to salvation. You and I and ourselves are helpless when it comes to somehow getting ourselves right with God. And this is one of the ways that Jesus came to identify with you and I. So that He could be a substitute for us and identify with us. He came, number one, as a helpless Savior. But secondly, it was a message of a humble Savior. Because they said, you'll find this baby not in the castle, not in the palace, but in a manger, in a manger. In a feeding trough, in a place where the, the animals are, a cave turned into a barn, and a place that is not too high that you cannot reach, but accessible and available. A place where no one can ever say, I'm too insignificant to God, or God is too high for me to reach, because He came in such a way that all who desire to know Him can come freely and receive the grace and the salvation that He brings. You know, it's back in the 90s that Philip Yancey wrote his best-selling book, The Jesus I Never Knew. And he contrasts the humility that characterized Jesus' royal visit to planet Earth with the prestigious image associated with modern rulers when they go on a trip. And this is back in the 90s. He said when Queen Elizabeth visited the country for just a few days, the rumors delighted to spell out all the logistics of her visit. She had 4,000 pounds of luggage for those few days. Two outfits for every occasion. 
She had one outfit just in case someone passed away while she was here, a mourning outfit. She had 40 pints of plasma. She had white kid leather toilet seat covers because, you know, the royal whatever needs to be covered. But she brought her own hairdresser, two valets, a host of other attendants. A brief visit of royalty can cost easily over 20, back in the 90s, $20 million for just a few days. In meat contrast, God's visit to earth took place in an animal shelter with no attendant present and nowhere to lay the newborn king but a feeding trowel. It was a message the angels heard of a helpless a baby, but also a humble Savior that came not in the castles, not in the places of men's esteem, but in a place of humility, a place of a stable. The Apostle Paul reminds us in his letters why Jesus came this way and why it's so important that Jesus did come this way. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 tells us that, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor so that you through His poverty might become rich. Jesus became poor that we could be rich. Rich in faith. Rich in salvation. Rich in forgiveness. Rich in a peace that is everlasting and a joy that is abiding and unspeakable. He became poor that we might become rich. You see, at the heart of the Christmas message is humility. And Jesus expressed that by becoming poor. He became poor that He might go to the cross as one of us and die. That you and I might receive the riches of His grace and His forgiveness and His salvation. I thank God this morning that He came. I thank God that into the darkness of our failures and our frailties, the light of heaven intervened and invaded. And He took away the confusion. He took away the frustration. And He brought a divine order and a revelation and an understanding and a peace into our lives. And we express as we adore Him, we express as we worship Him, our humility to this message, our response as we confess our spiritual need and we receive the Savior and all that He has to offer us. They received the message that was, number one, a message of a helpless Savior, just a baby. A message of a humble Savior because He came in such a way that all of us can relate and all of us can touch Him and all of us can come to Him. You don't have to be a certain caste to come to Him. You don't have to have a certain background to come and know the riches of this salvation. The message as a Savior, a heavenly message on top of that. For the angels came and the angels were heavenly messengers because they had a heavenly message. Paul kind of describes it like this. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. How Jesus had this attitude. That was the attitude of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says that He came. Yeah, go ahead, verse 6. We're good. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing. This is the picture of Jesus coming from heaven and coming to earth, leaving the royal privileges to come that He might relate to us 
identify with us, represent us. He made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. We are joyful and thankful. And we celebrate and sing these Christmas songs with gusto because of the reality that God has come down. Chuck Swindle called it deity in diapers. It was God in that manger. And God came down for us because we could not reach up to God. God came down for us because we were incapable of climbing the ladder of our own works and efforts and somehow appeasing and being approved by God. He came down. That He might lift us up. Where sin and sorrow and our failures and frustrations have brought us down and separated us from God and tried to keep us down. He came down to lift us up and help us and heal us and restore us to the place we were intended to be from the beginning. We like to say it like this. He came to relate. He came that He could identify with us, that He could become one of us, that He could properly represent us. He came to relate, and then He died to redeem. For His death was one of a substitute, the only worthy and acceptable sacrifice the Almighty would receive was His only begotten Son, sinless Lamb of God, whose precious blood is able to make the vilest sinner clean. And He came to relate and He died to redeem. And now He lives forevermore to represent us before the throne as our high priest and our mediator as our intercessor. You know, we don't know any of the names of these shepherds. We don't know much about their background. But we know they were very, very important to God. And so were you. He came down for you. He came down because you... Or a sinner needed a Savior and He wanted to save you. He came down because He chose to look beyond all of our faults and see our needs. He came down because He had desired His heart to make you His very own. We learn some things about the shepherds as we kind of meditate on this story. We learn from their experience. The shepherds tell us, number one, about the goodness of God. That God would include them and not overlook them. Remember, in the eyes of men, they were overlooked. In the eyes of the natural, they would never be chosen for such a high and holy privilege of hearing this message and witnessing the Christ child. We learn from them about the goodness of God. That God would include them and not overlook them. That God would call them and not ignore them. That God would invite them to come and see, to receive, to take part of what the Almighty was doing in the earth. And that's what the Gospel is all about. Come unto me all that are weak and weary and I'll give you rest. For God so loved the world, whosoever will can come. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your track record is. He loves you and He died for you. We learned something from the shepherd's story about the goodness and the grace of God that says, whosoever will, this salvation is for you. You can know the Savior. You can receive His forgiveness. There's no sin too bad. There's no life too marred that this salvation cannot cleanse you and this power cannot transform you. We learn from the shepherds about the goodness of God and we learn from the shepherds about the nearness of God. 
These shepherds were unfit to worship in the temple, so the God of the temple drew near to them. Aren't you glad he found your hiding spot? You weren't even looking for him. He came to where you were at. My Lord, my Lord. Oh, what a Savior. What a glorious Savior. God with us. He knew we couldn't find him. So he said, I'll find you. And some of us were in a terrible place, but he went there, didn't he? That grace found us there. That love lifted us from there. The nearness of God. The night when the angels appeared and heaven spoke. These men found out that God was a whole lot closer than they had thought. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, friend, God is closer than you think. Don't let that silence think He's absent. Don't allow that trial that you're going through to lie to you and somehow make you think that God has forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. The Christmas story declares to a fallen human race that God has not forgotten thee and God has not abandoned thee, but God has a plan for thee and God's a whole lot closer than you believe. He's just a prayer away. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's calling you. He's reassuring you. He's drawing near to you. What a God we serve. They discovered that night as they kept watch over the sheep that night that someone far greater was keeping a watch over them. Hallelujah. The one that never sleeps or slumbers, whose eyes are on the righteous and hears every cry of his child was watching over them. I want you to know he's watching over you. Whatever you're facing in this coming year, do not be afraid. Do not give in to that fear or that terror or that uncertainty. For the God that watched over the shepherds is the God that watches over your life. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. His love is towards you. His eye is upon you. You might face some challenges in the new year, but face them knowing the Lord your God goes before you. He's your shield. He's your shade. He's your friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Whatever it is, walk on, child of God, with a peace and a joy, knowing my God goes before me and everything is going to be alright. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Talking about the shepherds, they teach us about the goodness of God and the nearness of God. They teach us about the thoughtfulness of God. You know, God knows how to give a gift. No, men often miss it when they give gifts. Can you say amen? I remember one time when I was well past my athletic prime. I had an athletic prime. Don't laugh so much. I had I got a shirt one time from someone in the family. Athletic fit. Athletic fit. Can you imagine that? Athletic fit. It didn't fit. I'll tell you, it didn't fit. (laughs) Athletic fit. Must have been a marathon runner. I don't know what kind of athlete that was. That wasn't no athlete. I don't know what kind of athlete. <laughs> you know, men's gifts often don't hit the mark. Another time, so in my own family, you would have thought they would have known better. They got me a tool or a toolbox or something. I said, my Lord. I said, they're, they're, they're kin. You know what I mean? They've known me all my life. I mean, unless it's coming with a handyman to work the thing, why are you giving me that? I'm just, you know, man, we, we do, we cry sometimes, but man, people can miss it when it comes to giving a gift. But you know, God knows how to give a gift. I learned from the shepherds. The angel explained to the shepherds that the kind of gift God had sent 
was a Savior for all people. He gave exactly what the world needed. Those sitting in darkness have received a great light, not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile, for the entire world. He gave exactly what we needed, the perfect, most needed gift that everyone needs and we can't do without. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh my, you've got to receive this gift. You've got to recognize this gift and receive this gift. It's a gift that everyone needs because we've all sinned. It's a gift that only God can give because only God was worthy enough to give what the gift and our need required. Receive the gift. It's of the utmost importance. I like how Warren Wearsby, Dr. Wearsby, writes. He says, salvation involves much more than knowing facts about Jesus Christ. You can go to college and learn all the facts about Jesus. You can grow up and know all the facts about Jesus. It's also more than just having special feelings towards Jesus. You can say, oh, Jesus is cool. I don't mind Jesus. I don't mind. Salvation comes and only comes to us when by an act of our will, we receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus is the gift of God. A save, I have good news of great joy for all the people of Savior. He has come. He died on a cross, rose again. And now whosoever will can come and receive the salvation that we all need and only Jesus Christ can give. But it doesn't come merely by knowing facts. It doesn't come merely by having an emotional, I don't mind it, I'm okay with it. It comes only when you personally receive Jesus and bow your heart and your life to serve Him, to live for Him, and to walk with Him. Somebody say, Amen. The shepherds teach us about the faithfulness of God. A God who keeps His promises. And a God who sent the Savior after hundreds and hundreds of years of the prophets prophesying the Messiah's coming, the one that's coming, he finally came. And you know, these shepherds, most likely, they were shepherding in Bethlehem. They were taking care of the sheep that were going to be sacrificed in the temple. I love it. And now the angel gives them a message that they're going to be out of business soon. Amen. Because the lamb that takes away the sins of the world had come. Amen. Those, those lambs won't be needed anymore. You know, Jesus came to put the devil out of business. Amen. Jesus came to knock sin in the teeth and set men free. And these shepherds, they teach us about the goodness of God and the nearness of God. They teach us about the thoughtfulness of God. They teach us about the faithfulness of God. The shepherds, number one, they received the message. Make sure you receive it. Don't just think about it. Some you've thought about it. You've measured it. You've critiqued it. It's time to receive and respond the good news of God. That's Jesus Christ. But secondly, they didn't just receive the message. They responded to the message. Let's look at verses 15 and verses 16. Verses 15. 15 and 16, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. You see, it's not enough just to hear the message of salvation. 
One must respond to it. Hearing must lead to believing, which brings obeying. A person must choose. What will you do with what you've heard? What will you do with the message you've heard and the lessons that you've been taught in the Word the Spirit has put in your heart? A good example for us, they received the message God sent to them and responded immediately with obedient faith. They followed the instructions of the angel and they received a greater blessing than they could ever imagine. And though they were not scholars, they were not theologians. But when they heard the Word, they obeyed the Word, they responded to the Word, and that's exactly what God desires from every one of us. Respond to the Word of the Gospel. Respond to the Word that God has spoken to your life this morning. Don't hesitate. Don't waver. Respond. Step out. If others are staying behind, leave them behind. And step out. If others want to waver and not obey or heed the Word, leave them where they're at. But ye, go after God. Ye, respond to the Word of the Lord. Ye, make up your mind. I'm going to obey the Lord Jesus. I'm going to walk in His Word. And I will respond to His call of my life. I will respond to the message and the product He's placing within me. One of the gifts we can give is remember it is Jesus' birthday after all. So not wrong with giving a gift here or there, but make sure we remember whose birthday it is. Give Him the greatest gift. Can you say amen? One of the gifts you can give Jesus is the gift of an obedient life. He says, that's nice to give your money, but I don't need money all that much. It's nice. I need, but I like your life. I died for your life. I could have just spoken, made some more diamonds. I could have just spoken. There was a gold mine. No, 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 no. But, but for souls, I had to die. For you, I had to die. You realize how important and valuable you are to God? And it's your response to God that is great worth in His eyes. To obey is better than to create the worlds, so he only had to speak. To hush the winds and the waves, so he only had to speak. To destroy death and disease, he so only had to lay a hand, speak a word. But to redeem you and redeem me, to save us from our darkness, to save us from our sin, he had to go to a cross and endure the wrath of a holy God. All salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. And what do we do in response to love a God like this? What can we do? I think of that little drummer boy, one of my favorite songs. I have no gift to bring, but rump-a-bump-bump. Amen. What can you give a Savior that is so wonderful and what's so worthy? What can you give someone that's forgiven us at all we've done? What can you give the one that's bailed us out of the mess we put ourselves in? One thing we can give him is an obedient life. Lord, I will obey you. Lord, I will serve you. I will give you first place in my life. The shepherds responded to the message. I pray if God speak into your heart this morning um, to obey Him in a certain area, to do something in your walk with God, respond. Obey the Word of the Lord. Number two, number three here, they retold the message. Look at verse 17. They didn't just respond to it. After they responded, when they had seen Him, they experienced it, they spread the Word. I like that. They spread the Word concerning what had been told them about the child. I love that. Not only give them an obedient life, but give them a faithful witness. 
give them a wholehearted witness and testimony and let this world know what Christmas is all about. Let this world know what Jesus Christ has done in you and through you. Let them know, don't keep it to yourself. Not only were they the first to believe in Jesus, they were the first to tell others about Jesus. Again, how marvelous that God would choose this group, a group despised by men, overlooked by the elite, to be His first representatives. They couldn't witness in court, but God said, I'll let you tell the world about the goodness of my grace and the salvation of my Son. And another way we celebrate the Christmas season is to make the story known, the good news of a loving Savior. The shepherds received the message. The shepherds responded to the message. shepherds retold the message. And lastly, the shepherds rejoiced at the message. Rejoiced. Look at verse 20. Let's just jump down to, to, to verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, from beginning to end, the, the, the Bible, the people of God are a singing people. They're a praising people. In fact, in Luke's Gospel, the first two chapters, there are six different songs of praise unto God. I mean, in heaven, they're rejoicing around the throne continually. At creation, Job said the angels were singing and praising God. They worship He's worthy. And one of the greatest gifts we give is the gift of our song, the gift of our praise, the gift of our worship. We offer to Him an obedient life after all that He's done for you and I. What else can we do but give them our lives and serve them faithfully and serve them wholeheartedly? But we also have to give them our voice to witness and tell this world. But you know what, folks? There are many that are still sitting in that darkness like you and I once were. There are many that have not heard of the light of the goodness and the glory of God like we've heard. And it's up to us as God gives us opportunity, as God arranges conversations, to be ready to share the good news and tell the story. But all lastly, they praised Him and they worshipped Him. They gave Him the praise and glory of their song. It was of thanksgiving and adoration. They rejoiced at the message. They spoke to men when they testified, but they also spoke to God as they glorified and praised the One that is so worthy. This expression flows both ways. When a person truly receives Jesus Christ, when their life is transformed, when the reality of sins forgiven, burden is broken, new life imparted, then it's just natural that praise and proclamation will overflow from such a life. For the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, this mouth speaks and it overflows. And when Jesus is real within, there is a twofold proclamation. One to tell others the good news that all can hear. And one is to praise the one that did so much and is so great and is so worthy. Can you say amen? Lessons from the shepherd. These shepherds heard the message. They responded to the message. They retold and rejoiced that all that God had done for them. And folks, he's done a whole lot for us, has he not? This is a good example for us to follow. Let's celebrate the Savior by embracing and obeying His Word, telling others 
the good news of that salvation. But when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, then he said, you are the light of the world. And we take this light into a dark world where lives are hurting and lives are broken. But we have the answer. We have the hope. We have the message. God doesn't need his angels anymore. He's got sons and daughters that take up the task of declaring the message and letting the world know, fear not. Things might look bad. Things might seem hard. What you're facing now might not be easy, but the word of the Lord is, fear not. I've got good news of great joy. The Savior has been born. And you can receive Him and you can know Him. And you can enjoy the fullness of His salvation. You can know what it is to have the sin, the guilt, and the shame wiped away, never to return. You can know what it is to have a friend that will stick closer than a brother, a companion that will never leave you nor forsake you. You can know what it is to have a comforter and a counselor that will stand with you and guide you and help you walk through this life. Oh, we've got good news of great joy. Let us be alert. Let us be ready that as God gives us opportunity, we can be quick to share such a message of hope to a hurting and a hopeless world. Somebody say amen. And let us be quick and continuous to praise Him and thank Him. And when we sing, we sing with sincere gratitude of heart for who He is and for what He has done. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please, as we close with our final song and prayer. If you're here this morning and you're not where you need to be with God, whether you've never said, Jesus, I want to receive you, I want the joy of salvation, I want to know this forgiveness, I'm ready to give you my life and make that personal commitment. Whether you're here today and you've never received Christ, or maybe you're here today and you've honestly said, I've kind of drifted off the path. And I need to do something today. I need to make a fresh commitment today. I can't allow this to go any longer with this drifting. But I need to respond to the calling and the wooing. Then I'm going to invite you, as we begin to sing in just a little bit, and these altars are open, I want to invite you to come down and someone will pray with you. And someone will minister to you. And for the rest of us, can we just give them praise? Can we give them the gift of our praise and our gratitude? Can we just take this next couple of minutes and just sing with, um, with, with gusto to the one that is worthy, just declaring our praise. And if you're here and you need prayer, whether you need a touch in your body, whether you're facing something unexpected and you just need someone to stand with you and believe God, as we sing, these altars are open to come and receive from the hand of God. Father, we thank you for the lessons of the shepherd. We thank you that you're a good God and you're a faithful God. That you're a God that is near. You're a God that knows just what we need. Help us, O oh God, to continue to receive and respond to your word. To live obedient lives as our gift in return for all that you've done for us. To be men and women of a bold witness and a sincere praise. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You came. Now, Lord, by Your mighty power, touch those that need a touch this morning. You know every person. You know every individual. You know every specific. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
As people look to you, touch them at the point of their need. Breathe your breath of life upon this congregation. And let the river of your grace flow mightily. In Christ's name and all God's people said, let's sing this last song before we go. If you need prayer, please come.